Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. What does it mean to live the Christian life? And what does the Christian life look like in a fallen world? And that's really what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's a handbook for Christian living. And in this sermon, Jesus addresses several things. We looked at in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus addressed, you know, how are we supposed to live in a fallen world? And he addressed some of those issues that we as Christians face. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about our own personal faith how we are to conduct ourselves in the church. How are we to conduct ourselves in the faith? And he talks about some some spiritual issues uh, and how Christians are to be real and honest in uh, how we conduct ourselves in in these um, uh, spiritual issues. And so uh, today we begin this look in Matthew chapter 6 and we'll read the first four verses. Here's what Jesus says. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, your alms, before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you... When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward, will reward you openly. So in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to his followers about three very important elements of the Christian life, and this kind of sets the standard for all elements of the Christian life having to do with our, our spiritual worship and our service. And uh, in this section of the Sermon on the Mount in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about our giving, then he talks about our praying, and then he talks about fasting or spiritual discipline, the spiritual discipline of the Christian life. And so today we look in these verses at what Jesus had to say about our giving. Now, in the Bible, there's two kinds of Christian giving, and Christian giving as in the giving of money. There's two kinds of Christian giving. First of all, the first kind of giving that is described in the New Testament is the the systematic, the structured, and the regular giving of our tithes and our offerings. That's taught in the New Testament. Our tithe is 10% of our income. That's the Old Testament standard, but it was never never, uh, uh, disallowed in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus emphasized the giving of the tithe. The tithe is the beginning of where Christians ought to give, 10% of our income. An offering is anything that is above the tithe, anything that is above the 10%. And so one of the the, the ways of giving uh, that the New Testament talks about is that systematic, structured, regular giving of our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. Now, you might ask the question, well, the Lord owns everything. Why does the Lord want me to give him anything? 
I mean, I'm trying my best to get by on what I can get. And the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says that all the gold and all the silver is his. So why is it that the Lord would want me, I'm doing the very best I can to get by with what I can make. Why does the Lord want me to give him anything? Why should we give? Well, one of the reasons why we should give is it's a tangible evidence of our faith. We should give as the Lord has commanded us, as the Lord has instructed us. It represents a very tangible evidence of our fact, faith, the fact that we're willing to give as the Lord has commanded, as the Lord has taught, as the Bible teaches. We should give our tithes and offerings as an act of obedience. We have been commanded to give. We should give as the Lord directs us as an act of faith. We, uh, it's an act of faith. We, we give out of faith. We give believing that the God who has given us everything, as we give to him, he will continue to bless us. We give as an act of worship. David said on one occasion, far be it from me to ever go to the house of the Lord with empty hands, with nothing to give to the Lord. We should give to honor God. We should give to glorify God. We should give for the privilege of being able to invest in the kingdom of God. We should give to bless others and to encourage others. And so why should we give? We should give as the Lord has commanded us to give. He has commanded us to give. Now, here's what the Lord also says. That if we give in the right way, in the right spirit, as the Lord has commanded us, here's what the Lord has done. He has promised that if we give as he has commanded us to give, that he will bless us. You don't lose when you give as the Lord has commanded you to give. In fact, you'll gain. The Lord will bless you. The Lord has promised that he will bless those who give as he has commanded. As an act of faith, as an act of worship, as an act of love uh, to our God. In a way that we want to honor him and to glorify him and to invest in his kingdom. You don't lose if you give. In fact, the Lord has promised that you'll gain if you give as he has commanded us to give. Listen to Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul, the one who gives as the Lord has commanded, shall be blessed, shall be made rich. The one who waters, the one who invests, the one who waters will be himself watered. You give, the generous soul shall be blessed. The one who waters others with blessings, the one who waters the Lord with his giving, he shall himself be watered. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In other words, the more you sow, the more you reap. The more you give, the more you will be blessed. Yes, we're to give as the Lord has commanded us to give. But you don't lose when you give. It's not like... 
paying a bill, you know, you, you, you've received a service, you pay a bill and that money's gone and it'll never come back to you again. But if you give as the Lord has commanded you to give, you invest in his kingdom, you, you carry out an act of worship and obedience and the Lord has promised that you're not going to lose what you give, you're going to gain. He who is generous shall be made rich. He who waters shall be watered. He who sows generously shall reap generously. In Matthew 6, 4, here's what Jesus said. The father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. <clears throat> he shall reward you openly. And so the Lord will bless us. If we give as he has commanded us to give. I was saved many years ago. I didn't know nothing about the Christian life when I was saved. I was a knothead. I had grown up in church, been to vacation Bible school and Sunday school. I've been brought up by a very faithful uh, uh, Christian parents and a Christian home. Went to church and I didn't learn nothing. Apparently nothing stuck very much. But when I got saved, when I gave my life to Christ... I didn't know a whole lot about the Christian life, but one thing I did know I was supposed to give. And so from the very first Sunday that I was a Christian, I began to tithe. I began to give. And I've been doing it ever since. Me and Miss Harris, we've been doing it ever since. We have been faithful in giving and in being obedient to the Lord's command for us to tithe. And I can tell you right now, the Lord has never failed to be faithful to me and Miss Harris to meet all of our needs. He's given us many of our wants. If you pick us and what we have up and you put us in some third world country, we'd be living like kings. People would think that we would be the richest people in the world. We are so blessed. God has been good to us. So how does God bless you? How do you what, what is the reward you receive when you give? Well, the Lord will bless you physically. Doesn't mean you'll never get sick, but the Lord promises that he will bless you. If you obey the Lord, he will bless you physically. Doesn't mean you'll never get sick, but it does mean that the Lord will always be with you and he will give you health and the ability to recover and the ability to have strength. He will bless you physically. If you get as, give as the Lord commands, he will bless you materially. You'll always have what you need and more. He will bless you spiritually. He will bless you with answered prayer. He will bless you with greater spiritual insight and understanding. He'll bless you with greater spiritual power. He'll bless you with greater opportunities for spiritual service. The Lord says, if you give, I will bless you. If you'll be generous, give as I have commanded, you shall be made rich. Rich not necessarily in material things, but rich in spiritual things. Material things are passing. Earthly things are passing. Earthly things will not last, but spiritual things are eternal and they will last for eternity. And the Lord will bless you richly in things you can never lose. The Lord will bless us. You know, God is generous to us. Can I tell you this? Every breath you take and every beat of your heart is a gift from God. Every breath you take, every beat of your heart is a gift from God. The Lord is generous to us. He blesses us with salvation. He gives us all of the blessings of life, food, clothing, shelter, family, home, protection, provision, watch care, grace, mercy, love, kindness, relationships, 
family, people who love us, people we love, people who encourage us. He gives us the ability to gain wealth. He gives us the opportunity to make wealth. He gives us so much. God is the giver of all good things. All good things come down from the Father of lights above. He gives us all that we need, all that we have. God is so generous and so good to us. Therefore, should we be stingy with a God who is so generous to us? Should not we give as he has commanded us to give? And shouldn't we give joyfully? Shouldn't we give with a cheerful heart? Shouldn't we give as the Lord has commanded us to give? God is so good to us. Why would we ever, why would we ever want to be stingy with God? We should give our tithes. We should give our offerings. And we should give it with joy and thanksgiving and praise to almighty God. For his goodness and grace. It's a tangible expression of our faith. It's a tangible expression of our obedience and our love for God. And so we're to give. And by the way, you know, when you're saved, God takes you from being a taker to a giver. God changes your mentality. God changes your spiritual DNA. God changes who you are. And when you truly get saved, God will change you from being a taker who always want, want, want to being a giver who always wants to bless others if you have the opportunity and the ability to do so. And so that's the first kind of giving that is taught in the Bible. That structured, systematic giving that we all should practice. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, I can't afford to tithe. I can tell you this, I can't afford not to tithe. I'd be afraid not to tithe, knowing how good God has been to me and to my family. And whatever I've given, whatever you've given, it's not enough. (laughs) It's not enough to truly honor the Lord as he he should be honored, but God is good. He he could say, God could say, well, give me nine-tenths of everything you got, and you can live on the tenth. But God is a generous God. He says, well, give me a tenth and I'll make the nine tenths that is less go far beyond what you can even imagine. It'll be greater than what you can think. Now, the second kind of giving that is taught in the Bible is an unstructured kind of giving, an unscheduled kind of giving, a spontaneous kind of giving. It's the kind of giving that Jesus speaks of in this passage. It's giving to those who are poor and needy. It's responding to a situation where you see someone who is in need and your heart is moved and you want to help. And so above and beyond your tithe and offering, you see someone in need. You respond to that person by giving to that person out of that which God has given to you to help them. To help meet their need. You become the hands of Jesus. You become the hands of God. You become an angel that God has sent to that person. As you respond and you help that person in time of need. It's giving. It's giving of money. It's giving of time. It's giving of work. It's giving of service. It's doing something tangible for someone who is in need. Now the Bible calls this kind of giving a charitable deed or an alms. And that's the kind of giving that Jesus talks about in this passage. Here's the bottom line of this passage. Christian people are to be giving people. And we should give with joy. 
We should give with a sense of obedience. We should give with a a sense of thanksgiving to God. So you don't give to God to fix the air conditioner. You give to God because he's been good to you. You give to God because he's a God of grace and he's a God of mercy. You give to God because he gives you your life. You give to God because he's given you everything that you have. You give to God to honor him and glorify the God who has saved your soul from an eternity separated from him at great cost to you himself. You give to the God who's given to you the son of his only begotten son of God. That's why you give. Sometimes maybe there might be a need and you're motivated to give above and beyond the tithe. And that's all right. You know, I've never worried a whole lot about money in a church. I don't know. I just always felt like God's going to provide. God's going to meet the need. God's going to be good. And if he doesn't provide, maybe it's something we ought not to do anyway. I think God's in charge of a church. I don't ever felt like I've been in charge of a church. I may be a pastor. That just makes me the number one underling of the Lord. I've always felt like God's in charge of the church. I'm not in charge of the church. The deacons are not in charge of the church. No group's in charge of the church. God's in charge of the church. And so I want God to take the lead. And I've always felt like God will provide. And God has always provided. He's always met our needs. And he always will. And he does it through motivating people to obey him and motivating people to give as God has blessed them. Now, in this passage, Jesus talks to the hypocrites of the day, the religious leaders of the day. Jesus looked at how they gave. And they were giving. And sometimes they gave generously. But Jesus called, exposed many of the, uh, Israel's religious leaders of the day. He exposed them as being hypocrites, play actors, spiritual phonies. Because they, they, they may have given, but they didn't give for the right purpose. They didn't give in the right way. They give for something other than bringing honor and glory to God. And so Jesus exposed these people as being hypocrites. Now, I've heard people say they don't attend church because the church is full of hypocrites. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I don't go to church. Bunch of hypocrites at the church. And so I had a lively lively discussion with someone one day about that. He was an old rascal. Hadn't been in church in forever. He wouldn't know what was going on in the church. You know, if, if you put a... You know, put him in a ditch and threaten to leave him there. If he didn't tell you what was going on, he, he didn't have any idea what was going on in the church. So I don't go out of a church full of hypocrites. I said, well, how, I said, well, how do you know? You've never been. How do you know there's hypocrites in the church? And I said, you know, it's true that the church is full of saved people who are in process. I'm not perfect. Are you perfect? Anybody here perfect? We're in process. One day we will be perfect. That's when God will take us to heaven. We're saved people. We're in process. And sometimes we don't live and act as we ought to as Christian people. The church is full of saved people who are in process. But it is not true that the church is full of hypocrites. There are some hypocrites in the church, yes. But I want to tell you something. There's far more hypocrites in the world than there are in the church. And those who say that they don't go to church because of the hypocrites there are being hypocrites themselves when they say that. 
Let me tell you the real reason why a person doesn't attend a church. It's because they don't want to. They don't want to go to church. And so to justify the fact that they don't want to go to church, then sometimes some of them will say, well, I don't go to church because hypocrites are in the church. They're being a hypocrite themselves. That's not the real reason they don't go to church. They just don't want to. They don't have the inclination to do it. But they don't want to be put on the spot. They don't want to be made to feel bad. And so they justify the fact they don't go to church by saying all these hypocrites are in the church. And they're a hypocrite themselves when they say that. These very same people are not bothered by hypocrites anywhere else. I guarantee you if they had the chance to make money by doing business with a hypocrite, they'd do it in a heartbeat. They wouldn't say to somebody, well, I'm not going to do business with you. I'm not going to make money with you because you're a hypocrite. If they had the chance to make money with a hypocrite, they'd do it in a heartbeat. They'd work with hypocrites. They go to school with hypocrites. They party and play with hypocrites. They buy and sell products made by hypocrites. They campaign and vote for hypocrites. They pay to watch hypocrites perform. They idolize and make hypocrites their heroes. They're hypocrites themselves in a thousand different ways. And yet they won't go to church because they say they're hypocrites there. That's hypocritical. They're hypocrites themselves. And by the way, the churches where hypocrites belong. Hypocrites need to be in church, don't they? So they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and get right with God. And so Jesus, he, he, he sees the hypocrites of his day. And in these verses, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples, don't do that. Don't be like that. When it comes to your giving, don't be a hypocrite. And what Jesus is teaching us is an underlying principle. And the underlying principle, and he, he teaches that by using this as an example. The underlying principle is this. Whatever we do for the Lord must always be motivated by a genuine desire to honor Him and glorify Him. Not to draw attention to ourself. Whatever we do for the Lord must always be motivated by a true and genuine desire to honor and glorify God. I don't give to impress you. I don't give to make you think I'm somebody special. I don't give. I don't work. I don't service and uh, give service to the Lord just to make you think I'm somebody. I give it to honor God and to glorify God. Let me tell you something. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. And so Jesus says, when you give, don't be like those hypocrites. They prance around, you know. They make a big racket when they give. And what they're trying to do is impress people with their giving. Jesus said, if that's what they're, they're desiring and they get the intention of people and they impress people, that's their reward. They may be rewarded on earth with that, but they'll get no reward from God in heaven. Yes, it's important to do the right thing. But it's even more important to do the right thing in the right way for the right reason. And so in these verses, Jesus teaches us that we're not to be hypocritical in our giving, hypocritical in our service. That we are to give 
with a genuine, sincere desire just to honor and to glorify God. I don't want no building named after me. Seriously, you know? Of course, I do have a building named after me. Y'all didn't know that. It's called City Hall. <laughs> Is that there? So there you go. That's good enough for me. I'll take it. And also that company, the U-Haul company. That's, okay, never mind. No. I want all glory and honor to go to Jesus for who I am and what I am. And the older I get and the longer I serve the Lord, the more that is true in my life. I want it all. I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Now, Christians should be for the right reason. We should be the most generous and giving people in the world. We should give to the Lord. And when we have the opportunity and when we have the means to do so, we should be willing to help those who are in need. And not to help them just to meet that need. Now let me tell you something about what God does. The first place God looks when you give anything to the Lord is your heart. The first place God, you can write a million dollar check. And if y'all want to do that today and give it to Mercedes Baptist Church, we'll take it. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> you can write a million dollar check. But I can tell you this right now. The first, God's not impressed with that. You think God's impressed with a million? I mean, seriously, he owns it all. You may have your name on the deed down at the courthouse, but I want to tell you who the real owner is. You're just a steward of what you have. God's the owner. And God will reclaim it one day as his. He's the owner. We're just stewards. God's not impressed with all that. Whatever we give to the Lord, the first place God looks is not at the amount, but at the heart of the giver. And if what we give is not given out of a sincere heart of true love and devotion to God, then what we give may be taken and used, but we will not get credit for it. It will not be acceptable to him, no matter how big or generous the gift may be. We got to give out of our hearts with a sincere and honest desire to honor and glorify God. I know I told you this story before, but I like telling the story, so I'm going to tell it again. Y'all just have to bear with it. Good buddy of mine in college, pastor in a small church, had this guy thought he was a he pretty well owned the church. You, know. you, you ever met somebody like that? They were the big wigs. They walked in and they expected everybody in the church to just ooh and on, make their way, part the way so that he could get through. Well, this guy, was, you know, he'd made a lot of money and he gave to the church. And he let everybody know he gave to the church. <laughs> One of those guys, you know. And everybody felt like, well, if we didn't have his money. The church couldn't operate. Church would just fall apart. And so if anything ever came up in a church business meeting about something that was needed to be done, and if this guy wasn't for it, if the church was about to do something, he'd stand up sometimes and say, well, I guess if y'all do that, I'll just have to move my membership. And when they heard that, man, they just cow down. Oh, we can't lose him and his money. Well, let me tell you something. 
In church life, you can bully people. You can do that kind of stuff with people only so long. I've seen it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Have I ever seen it? You can run over people only so long. After a while, they'll get a bait of it. And they'll respond to it. One particular business meeting, something was going on. And they were considering doing something. And this guy stood up and said, well, if y'all do this, I guess I'll have to just move my membership. One brother stood up and said, I make a motion. We grant him his letter. Another person said, I second that motion. They took a vote right there. And everybody voted to expel the man from the fellowship, including the man's wife. She voted to kick him out of the church herself. She had had a bait of it. Well, time rocked by. About three or four weeks later, he came back and he repented and asked the church to forgive him. And he promised he would never pull that kind of stuff again. You see, you give for the right reason, for the right purpose, for God's honor and for God's glory. That's why you give. We give in obedience. We give to love the Lord. We give to honor the Lord. And Jesus saw this hypocritical stuff going on. He talked about alms, giving to people who are poor and destitute. Now, God wants us to be kind to those who are poor and destitute. I know a lot of times we look at people who are poor and we say, oh, it's their fault. Their fault they're poor. They should get a job like everybody else. And we kind of pile on them a little bit. And maybe sometimes that's true. You know, maybe their own actions has resulted in the circumstance that they don't have a whole lot. But that's not always true. Sometimes people just have stuff happen. They have sickness. They lose a job. Sometimes, you know, people can get really down, really poor, really needy. And God expects us to be kind. There's so little kindness in the world today. You know, the government gives to folks like that, but they do it to get votes. Speaking of hypocrites, it's going on right now in Washington, D.C., but I won't go any further with that. You know... God wants us to be. Listen to Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 and 11. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Sometimes we just need to help people. People need help. 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? The Lord expects his people to help those who are in need. But Jesus warns us, don't be hypocritical. Don't help just to be seen of men and honored by men. Don't give, you know, for your own personal, you know, Agenda being impressive to other people or anything like that. Don't give for the applause or the attention of the church or the world. Just give. Give out of a heart of love. Give out of a heart of, of trying to help somebody. And listen, anytime we give to the Lord or give to somebody who is in need, we don't lose. We always gain. God will bless I've been, you know, sometimes people say, well, all the church ever preaches about is money. That's a lie. That's a hypocritical lie. I preach far more about salvation and prayer and faith and all kinds of things, you know. 
But you know what? The Bible has a tremendous amount of material that speaks about giving and money. The Bible doesn't ignore the subject. In fact, the Bible addresses it. In fact, I will tell you this. There's far, if Jesus told like 28 parables, 26 parables in his ministry, almost three quarters of them had to do with stewardship and giving of money. The Bible has a great deal to say about money. You know why? What we do with our wallet, what we do with our checkbook says as much about our faith as what we do with our Bible. Jesus teaches that while the amount we give to God is important, our motive for giving is even more important. Somebody said one time, a preacher friend of mine said many years ago, and he was, he was, a, he was a brother from a different mother. He said, I want to tell you, it takes three books to run the church. It takes the Bible book, it takes the hymn book, and it takes your checkbook. Can I get a witness? He was right on it, wasn't he? Indeed. But you know, if the Lord has your heart, he'll have your wallet. Your true faith in the Lord will be expressed in what you give and how you give. And I know it's a challenge to people. Yeah, have y'all seen inflation lately? Me and Miss Avers went to the grocery store the other day like they had a heart attack. I mean, seriously. I mean, when did, when did bread get that expensive? For heaven's sakes. And they must be paying those cows a lot of money because the milk they're producing has really gone up. I mean, do the cows have a union? Are they getting, you know, more money? I mean, I know it's a challenge these days. But listen, I'm going to give to the Lord. As the Lord has blessed me, I'm going to give to Him. Amen. And I'm going to honor Him. And I'm going to glorify Him because He has saved my old rotten soul. And He's given me everything I have. And how dare me be stingy with my God. And in these days, if I have it, if I have the opportunity to help, if I have the means to help and I see somebody in need, I want to help them. And I want to try to lift them up because I know God sees that and God will honor that. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said, you know, in verse, uh, verses three and four, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, let me tell you what Jesus is not doing. He's not condemning public giving and public worship or public service. He's not condemning systematic giving. He's not condemning the keeping of financial records so that at the end of the year you can get a statement so that you can give it to the IRS and, and get a, 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 you know, a, some kind of deduction for your charitable giving. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, he's using this saying to teach this that we are to give in such a way that God is glorified and we're not. Amen. We're not to give and serve or worship for human recognition or honor. We're to give and serve to honor and glorify God. Jesus promises, God promises to reward and bless those who give in the right amount and the right spirit and in the right way. God will bless us with good health. God will bless us Materially, with all that we need and more, He will bless us spiritually. He will give us greater spiritual insight and understanding and power and opportunities for service. Now, I always say this when I talk about giving. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, keep your money. Keep it. God's not interested in your money. He didn't send Jesus to die on the cross for your stinking wallet. 
He sent Jesus to die on the cross for your soul. He wants you, not your money. So you can keep it all you want to. If you're not a Christian, giving money to the church, trying to serve the Lord is not going to do you any good. You can't serve enough to be saved. You can't give enough to be saved. If you're not a Christian, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. And if you do that, when the, see, when the Lord has your heart, He's got everything else. Amen? When He's got your heart, He's got everything else. First John 5, 11 and 12. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. To receive God's gift of eternal life and salvation, you must receive His Son as your personal Lord and Savior. And so Jesus teaches us how to give. And you know, heaven is not a reward. You don't go to heaven because you've earned it or deserved it or because you've done something. Heaven is a gift. A gift that God gives to those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. But in heaven, God will give us rewards. God will reward us for all that we have done for Him. That's amazing to me. He gives us heaven. And then on top of heaven, He has promised that I will reward you for all that you have done for me after you were saved. And go to, uh, after you were saved. And between the time you were saved and the time you went to heaven. That's amazing to me. It's like getting a big old piece of pecan pie. And then somebody takes a big old dollop of ice cream and put on top of it. I mean, the pie is heaven itself. But then you've got the ice cream. That's the reward, even greater reward. In heaven, you're going to get the pie because of Jesus. And the Lord's going to give you a big old dollop of blessing based on what, how you loved him and how you served for him, served him after you were saved. Isn't God good? Amen. Let's don't be stingy with God. Let's never be stingy with God. Let's give as he's commanded. God will bless us. He will meet our needs. He will be good to us. He always has been, and He always will. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, Stay safe and may God bless you.